Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Ohio only. New and existing customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Folks, welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. How are you doing? Joined here today by Kevin Ostreicher, who a lot of people know from his writing on Ravens Wired and his Locked on Ravens content. Uh, he's here to join to talk about the 2020 running backs, and we'll talk about that a little bit looking forward as well. And uh, Kevin, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Ken. Thank you for having me on the show here. The running backs are certainly an exciting position of group, and I'm excited to get into it with you. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. So the, the Ravens getting out of their first big contract since Ray Rice, and nothing is really as big as Ray Rice, but but Mark Ingram, you know, an enormous part of the 2019 success. 2020 dealt with some injuries, uh, was not as effective, and, and he was a healthy scratch at times uh, as J.K. Dobbins uh, took the lead back position from him as the season went on. There were various reasons for that. I think that, that, that it really kind of made sense, but certainly from money perspective and some of the savings they had in year three, it made sense. Yeah, I, I think it did. And I think the talent on Baltimore's roster at the running back 
position right now. They aren't these flashy names. It, it, it's honestly arguable that Mark Ingram was the flashiest name, but the production they got out of J.K. Dobbins and out of Gus Edwards and even with Justice Hill in there, who they favored on third down in a bunch of different situations, plus the big money contract you mentioned, I think it made sense for the Ravens to move on. I don't think Mark Ingram had the opportunities in 2020 that I think he or the team would have liked. And in terms of moving into 2021, I don't think he's done playing football, but I just think the opportunity wasn't right anymore for him in Baltimore. Yeah, one of the interesting things is his his success as a receiver had been terrific. And in 2019, you know, a lot of players, particularly in the wide receiver group, uh, not having the great catch percentage, even at tight end, Mark Andrews was a little strange there. But Ingram caught 26 out of 29 balls. You expect it to be good as a running back. Down to only eight targets in 2020 with six catches. Uh, not what the Ravens would have hoped for. No, no, not at all. And I think... Really, when it comes to the injuries and when it comes to his production on the field, too, with the snap share in 2019, Ingram was on the field for just about half of the Ravens plays. And then looking at 2020 and again, injuries played a big part in this as well, but only on the field for 25% of those snaps right around 25, 26 and where the Ravens valued him. I do think the receiver situation with his hands and with his ability just as a veteran and pass protection as well. That was a big key to why the Ravens were successful, especially on third down in some situations. And I think that was a key part that the Ravens did miss in 2020 without Ingram on the field. Yeah, it's obviously a, a big cut in snaps. I, I'm showing 16% here, by the way, for snaps in 2020. So that was a, obviously okay. it's a big, it's an enormous cut any way you look at it. But it, he's a, uh, uh, a guy who I thought really benefited from playing a, not a reduced snap count because he only played 33% his last, last year at New Orleans, but at 46% seemed to be a very optimal sort of a load in 2019 uh, to go with a mix of talent. And you, you went into 2020 knowing there's an extra mouth to feed with J.K. Dobbins. We saw projections in fantasy football that Gus Edwards was going to run for about 300 yards, which I found kind of funny <laughs> uh, right from the start. Who would you like to go to next after after Mark? I th- I think we have to talk about J.K. Dobbins. Just just the way that he performed. Obviously, the Ravens weren't giving him a ton of opportunities to start off the season. Really came on as the season went on. But even just talking about the draft pick in general, I think it was a widely controversial pick for some of the reasons you mentioned there, Ken. The Ravens had Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards and Justice Hill on the roster already. There were guys available like like Denzel Mims, for example, who kind of fill the need, but the Ravens have that best player available strategy. And Dobbins is someone who his burst, his elusiveness, his, his balance, it, it all really impressed me early on. And I'm really glad the Ravens ended up giving him more opportunities because it's arguable. And I will argue that he was the best rookie running back from that 2020 class this season. And all the stuff that he did in his opportunities, even the limited opportunities. We saw stat lines from him, like one carry for 34 yards earlier in the year and yep. stuff along those lines where it's just like, this guy needs more snaps. He needs them. Why isn't the team giving them to him? And it, it goes with the trust in Mark Ingram that they had, obviously, from 2019, 15 total touchdowns from Ingram. But I do think that Dobbins and Edwards, that's the duo that I think should be leading this backfield in 2021 is the duo that kind of carried them into the playoffs. And Dobbins in particular really did impress me. I, I don't think there's any doubt that's the way it will go. You mentioned these these gaudy games from from Dobbins that certainly he pushed himself into more playing time. But I think the plan was as soon as they took him, 
with a second round pick that he would be taking over that lead back role. Uh, Edwards now entering his fourth year. So the Ravens are going to lose him probably after one more season. Uh, it's even possible he won't play in Baltimore this year, potentially, if the Ravens don't really believe they should be spending the entire RFA tender on him. It's a, it's a tight year for cap. And it's possible that, that they can't come to an understanding with Edwards. They may even decide, hey, he's a guy you RFA and then trade as as a possibility but Dobbins uh you know certainly is going to be the feature guy this year yeah and, and that's the way it should be I mean Dobbins in 2020 impressed me again I mentioned his balance and just his, his elusiveness in general he ranked number five in the NFL in juke rate which by definition is the judging the judgment one of them at least of elusiveness and tackle breaking you take that tackle breaking and divide that by the total number of evaded tackles based off of his total number of rushes. He had a 30.9 juke rate. He also had 8.2% of his runs go for 15 yards or more. That ranks number one in the league. He did average 6.0 yards per carry, but in terms of true yards per carry, which it discounts all the runs greater than 10 yards, he averaged 5.4 yards per carry, which also ranked number one in the league. And in terms of juke rate, Mark Ingram actually held the crown for juke rate in 2019. So I think Dobbins is the perfect guy to take over for Mark Ingram. And especially you mentioned the depth they have and the depth really they have all across the roster and not giving all these guys 90% of the snaps or 95% of the snaps. We've seen that over the years with the cornerback room one, even back to the days with Jimmy Smith, Brandon Carr, Marlon Humphrey, all those guys with the running backs is the same thing. Yeah. They've never had that, that uh, a, one back system that was that that was that uh, for 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 quite some time. I, I, I want to go back to the draft for a minute because you, you mentioned that earlier. But one of the things going into that 2019 draft, 2020 draft, actually, was I'm thinking that this is not a position that they're likely to take a pick in a high round at. You know, maybe a fourth round pick, maybe a fifth round pick, because that's always possible if they like a guy more than the board says. But the Ravens did something. Position-wise, that I really didn't like in the 2020 draft, they took inside linebackers at number one and number three. Now, they had several third-round picks, of course, but they took a lot of draft capital went an inside linebacker in this draft. That's a position where the Ravens are, have been very good at finding value in later rounds. At running back, it's been similar that they've been able to find guys on the trash heap who've been exceptional. Gus Edwards, a UDFA, of course. Uh, Collins, before him, was a cast off from what Seattle, yeah. I think. Uh, you know, for set, uh, you know, a later career cast off. Even Ingram himself, uh, you know, c- came here for some decent money. Obviously, when when he did from the from the Saints, but it, it's a it's a position where they've been able to find talent cheaply. With Dobbins, they went to the draft, and the one thing about that is. I re- when I see the Ravens draft at not a position of need like that, I think that's real value the Ravens are likely to be getting. I completely agree. And Dobbins was rumored to be the number one running back on their board and with their best player available mentality it kind of wasn't a shock after all that came out that yeah they took him but I do think again with the needs and with the whole I think thing surrounding running backs now which is they're they're done by 30 and are you signing them to second contracts for example Nick Chubb is in the final year of his deal and what are the Browns going to do there they're going to are they going to pay him that big money like Christian McCaffrey got or are they going to let him go and take the Kareem Hunt route because he's under a reasonable contract right now so when Dobbins contract is up and he either he distincts himself as one of the best running backs in the NFL. Does Baltimore take that next step to pay him or do they go back to square one and draft a guy in the middle rounds again? So it's just that kind of cycle that we've seen Baltimore go through. And honestly, looking a few years down the road, it's kind of interesting to think about. 
Well, it's, he's got two more years in Baltimore, so we don't yeah. have to talk about it right away. But but you're right that that I I look at Dobbins as a one contract player. I look frankly at uh, Hayden Hurst as a one contract player just because of age. And I thought you know normally I'm not that excited to get a second round pick back for your first two years in, but in his case I kind of was because of the age parameters there that I thought that was a good one. And and Dobbins is another guy he might get traded after a third season. Uh, as opposed to uh, just allowed to walk after four. But I think both of those are possibilities. And I honestly don't believe that the Ravens are going to go for a huge big money running back contract on this. But it's an interesting interesting topic, and I'm sure we'll have a chance to do a short on that when it, when it comes up. One more thing about Dobbins, and I really, I really want to say this scheme-wise, is he really changed a lot of what the Ravens did. The Ravens are almost exclusively a pistol team in 2019, but Dobbins changed to, them to a mostly sidecar team in 2020. Uh, and he became an outside speed option, oftentimes with a motioning player going in the other direction, being an outside speed option, the other, and Jackson being the run up the middle option. Yeah, and that's something that really I took notice also in 2020 is – the fact that the Ravens also used two running backs on the field, it seemed like a lot yeah. more too with Dobbins and Edwards or Dobbins and Ingram. It just seemed like Dobbins and his playmaking ability, the Ravens wanted him on the field as much as possible. And I think that opened up the offense even more. And you mentioned the motion as well, Ken. The Ravens, obviously one of the biggest motion using teams in the NFL, motioning Patrick Ricard, Nick Boyle when he wasn't injured. Mm-hmm. And that again, it throws off the defense. But I think something that kind of came to light and I don't know how true this ultimately became what, but it was kind of the little things that people started to point out. It was, Oh, whatever Lamar Jackson does with his hand towel, that's, that's a signal or whatever mm-hmm. side of the field, the Ravens motion Patrick Ricard to or Nick Boyle to that's where they're running. So, you know, it goes back to what is it, Greg Roman? Is it the scheme? Is it this or that? But the Ravens using those different formations, I do think opened up the offense a lot more. And moving forward into 2021, I think they're going to stick with it. I think using those two running backs on the field at the same time gives them a ton of different options because Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, while they're similar, I think they also have a bunch of differences that help out a lot. Right. They, I, I I don't disagree. And I do think they'll continue to use that pony backfield, the two running back backfield, as you mentioned, a fair amount. But I think it's also an artifact because there's a lot of it was came at the end right. of the season. Right. They were getting eight, seven, eight, nine carries of that in the last five, six games was an artifact of not having their full tight end mm-hmm. complement ready. And it's almost like Roman did not know what to do with that extra eligible receiver on the field. So he used, some was Matt Skura. He used more Patrick Ricard in line. He used Tomlinson, who was, you know, a pure run player. And then he used some pony in addition. And it's, it's a, it's a mishmash of concepts used to basically make up for that extra eligible receiver spot that he lost at tight end. Yeah. And that's where I think Eric Tomlinson came in and played really well in his limited snaps that he got. But now with the Ravens, their next move is to determine how often they want to use three tight end sets. How much are they going to put into that tight end position in the off season? Whether it be, is Eric Tomlinson the answer? They have Jacob Breland who was on IR for the whole season, who could be a potential really big option for them. I think, Multiple people thought that if he didn't get injured in Oregon last season, he would have been the best tight end in the class. So do they go and they draft a guy to ultimately help the run game out? Do they go with a better receiver who needs a little bit work in the run game, run blocking department? That's another interesting thing that the Ravens are going to have to figure out this offseason as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. We're, you know, we're on the running backs, but I, but I love this side side action here because it's very meaningful. The Ravens could go a lot of different ways on that, but but the three tight end, the 13 personnel offense did so well for them in 2019, and it brings so much in terms of versatility. It's such a, a nightmare for the defensive coordinator 
just to decide when that package is in, how do you counter it? What personnel group do you put in based on down and distance? What do you think the Ravens are going to do? And you know, Roman does a really good job with those kind of moving pieces. And there's something to be said when your team doesn't have a bunch of great receivers and the Ravens have you know, some guys who can block and they have, they have Marquise Brown who can, who can do some things after the catch occasionally and and uh you know they they really have an opportunity to go back to what they had in 2019 with a with a third tight end on the field and, and probably one who can catch and block in level two and three but doesn't have to be an inline blocker but i i think there's room for four tight ends on this roster if they decide they want to go that way oh, absolutely and i think with hayden hurst the biggest loss there was they never really replaced him they, they had raved about patrick mm-hmm. ricard all training camp about how they're going to use him in line and we never really right. saw it that often and i think it really took away from what Baltimore, as you mentioned, did so well in 2019. And I, I echo what you said, Ken, the whole thing about it's really difficult for a defense to go and do you go heavy personnel? Do you take a little bit of defensive lineman off the field? Do you go with, you know, maybe a bit of a defensive backfield that is a little bit faster so you can contain the guys if they ultimately go out for passes? There are a lot of different things that the Ravens can do with those three tight ends, and it helps the running game too. It helps the running game sure. in multiple different ways. So I think with the complement of running backs the Ravens have, it will certainly help if they decide to go with three tight ends. And I expect them to invest in that position in the offseason. Yeah. All right. Move on Let's Edwards. do it. Let's do it. I think that with, with Edwards, something that I really like about him is his improvement from his rookie season to where we see him now. I think part of it, his receiving ability has certainly, I think, gone up in terms of just what he's able to do. But where I love Edwards is he's added, he used to be a north-south runner. He was that physical punisher that would go north to south. He'd go downhill. But now he's added a bunch of other different things to his game, including some cuts into his game where he's able to reverse field in multiple different ways. And that's just a compliment because with Edwards, he's such a force to bring down. But when he adds that agility to his game and adds that elusiveness to his game, it gives them another dimension. And then not to mention his receiving skills, as I talked about just a few seconds ago, that also gives him a bunch of different things. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Everyday grab-and-go, everyday giftable, everyday fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification. And they're satisfying to scratch, no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. At Lowe's, we're your go-to for great gardening values every day. That's why we've lowered our price on select bagged mulch. Now starting at just $2.88 a bag. Mulch helps prevent weeds and retains moisture. And when you put it down around trees, shrubs, and flower beds, you'll see how beautiful it makes your outdoor space. Just in time to welcome back family and friends. Shop online and pick up in store. Lowe's, home to the best part of summer. Selection and product availability vary by location. While supplies last, U.S. only excludes Alaska and Hawaii. Uh, so I, 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 I got a couple of things I want to respond to there too, but let's, let's, let's start with the running. Cause one of the things I loved about him as a runner is he has such good conservation of momentum that his cut does not have to be the same sort of jump cut in level two that a Dobbins would normally give a defensive back to just evade him completely. All he needs is a, is a little slippery snake cut where he basically will accept some contact and run right through it because he's much too big and much too much too uh, tough a runner to be taken down on on anything less but than really a shoulder to the hip kind of kind of deal. With with 
him as a receiver, that's the other thing I want to talk about, is that he was 0 for 4 in catches early in the year. He caught his last nine balls, and it wasn't a cheapo nine balls. It was nine for 129. Bunch of some of the longest passes you'll ever see, bunch of some of the strangest routes we've seen. You know, a long catch, pass down the middle, might even against the Giants for 30-plus, 35 maybe. I mean, it was, it, routes we do not see running backs run. And his impact on the game was just is, is far more varied in those last five games than what we've seen in the last two years from him, even though those are also great years. Yeah. And that's another thing. I think that with the Ravens, something that JK Dobbins has to improve on is his hands in the off season. And with Edwards, mm-hmm. they had a receiving option because Mark Ingram in 2019, I think was their best option there. They did have justice Hill in on third down in a couple instances. But again, I think it was Gus Edwards who really was the best receiver out of the backfield for Baltimore in 2020. So moving forward, I, I would like to see a bit more out of J.K. Dobbins in terms of being a receiver out of the backfield. Had some flashes, but had some pretty bad drops as well. So with Edwards, I mean, I think Dobbins and Edwards are just the perfect complement to each other. Edwards ranked seventh in breakaway run weight. He had 6.2% of his runs go for more than 15 yards and also was number seven in true yards per carry, which is, again, taking out runs greater than 10 yards at 4.8 after averaging 5.0 yards per carry overall. So again, if Edwards can continue to actually build on what he's already had and build on all the things, because he's added to his game every single offseason. So if he adds something else into his game, I think that again, this offense is going to soar. Certainly one of the most remarkably consistent backs in his first three seasons in NFL history. I mean, his first two seasons, you can't I, – I, anybody who's looking at him is going to have a hard time telling me which is which. But even his third season is almost identical <laughs> in terms of uh, of all metrics. So uh, obviously an impressive back. And, and the Ravens, I would love to see them figure out a way to keep him. But I don't think it's going to be a – you know a, Five-year, twenty-five million-dollar deal. I think it's going to be a, uh, a you know, a, a relatively modest deal that keeps him here uh, through year five or year six potentially. I think it's probably even more likely that the Ravens allow him to walk at the end of the season, and and uh, and that's that. But they will need to find out who's their who's their new back during that time. You mentioned Hill earlier. Let's let's talk about him a little. Yeah, for for Justice Hill, I think that. He didn't really get a ton of opportunities during the 2020 season, but the Ravens did begin to trust him more in that third down back role. They would use him in a bunch of motion situations as well. And someone who I think is going to get a ton of opportunities moving forward in 2021, obviously with Mark Ingram out of the fold, they're going to be using him. And I think it will be Dobbins, Edwards, and Hill when it comes to the running back situation. I don't see them keeping four running backs during 2021. I think this was just a unique offseason for them where they saw the opportunity to take J.K. Dobbins. They had Ingram, Edwards, and Hill on the roster. And they said, hey, these are all talented guys. We don't want to get rid of any of them. But Hill provides a bunch of burst, a bunch of electricity on the field. He's someone who just can move around wherever he wants. And he showed flashes even going back to 2019 and the last game against the Pittsburgh Steelers when the Ravens rested yeah. their starters. He really showed those flashes and Really didn't we didn't get to see a ton of him in 2020, but he's someone who I am really excited about to really get some more opportunities in 2021. He'll probably get more. Um, unfortunately, the, the the clock is running is. And, and the option value is reduced in the remainder of his contract. So he has year three and four and he's under contract for those because he was a draft pick. So there's a difference there. So they do really look at two years instead of just one year plus an RFA year that might not make sense. But, you know, dropping from 58 rushes to 12 in a year where the Ravens effectively took Mark Ingram's playing time off the table is not the result that you'd be happy about 
being Justice Hill. He had, you know, he went from 15 targets to five, and I caught them all, but only for 20 total yards, so four yards a target. I, I, it's just there's nothing about that that I can look at and say this is a good result. And and I think what's more likely to happen this year is that they figure out some specific use for Hill that's more like what they did with Duvernay or as the second head in a pony backfield where he's running some jet action. Uh, to, that you know, th- one of the great things about this year, just to extend this a little bit, is the counter plays that the Ravens ran down the stretch were really a new wrinkle that threw off pretty much all the teams that they played. And as someone who scores offensive line play, when I see 13, 14, 15 pulls from left tackle, and it's it's not they're not pulling Ronnie Stanley, not somebody with great feet from left tackle. It's Orlando Brown <laughs> doing this. You know, he's pulling 15 times. It's it's almost more than any guard had pulled for the Ravens in history. Definitely more than any tackle. The point being that they need an option of speed to both sides, plus Jackson's elusiveness uh, right up the middle, usually, uh, to play with that. And, and what was great about the counter is it didn't tell you anything about where the football was going. Sometimes they went behind it. Sometimes they went directly up the middle, not behind it. And all, a lot of times they just went left and totally countered to the counter. No, and, and, and that's part of what I think really makes this Ravens offense unique because they can run that play with a guy like Justice Hill and still have it be really, really effective. And I, Justice Hill is by no means a household name or anything. But again, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier about how much do teams value running backs? You know, what's the difference between a J.K. Dobbins and a Justice Hill on the field? And when it comes to paying J.K. Dobbins versus Justice Hill, but I do think that Justice Hill was also part of one of the more controversial moments of the 2020 season when it came to deactivating Mark Ingram. And why was Mark Ingram deactivated over Justice Hill? And it comes back to the fact that Mark Ingram doesn't play special teams. Justice Hill does yeah. play special teams. And I think that was the main well. yeah, yeah, exactly. And that was the main contributor to that whole point. And so you'd love to have Mark Ingram's veteran leadership out on the field, but the fact of the matter was he just wasn't producing. It, it looked like he had lost that step. And with Justice Hill, the Ravens obviously value special teams, one of the best special teams units in the entire NFL. And when you have a guy like Justice Hill who plays special teams well, you're going to keep him active because he plays his role well every single time he's out there. Yeah, I just had this discussion on the wide receiver <laughs> conversation. And you can guess it's about yep. Chris Moore uh, that, that it came up. But but Hill, when, when uh, the Ravens special teamers, the Ravens great special teamers of all time, have all, always been good special teamers who could also make a contribution, usually on defense, but also on offense as a possibility. So, you know, they had Kelly Williams and and Greg Stills, uh, Gary Stills, Greg Stills, Stills. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just, let's go him, who was here for one year in 2006. And McClellan and Levine are the classic long-term Ravens in terms of being signed to a, a number of consecutive two-year contracts. It's not like Hill couldn't be that guy, but Hill's offensive contribution isn't enough to cement a role like that for him. He'd have to do something that was more more regular, be a very reliable third down receiver, say, it would have to be something that would, that would be a bigger role for him to also then want him on special teams. Yeah, and talking about Chris Moore, I, I was pretty shocked the Ravens decided to bring him back. I know that he and John Harbaugh got into it, I think it was in 2019, where he was upset about playing time. And I didn't expect him to be back, but the Ravens ultimately decided that, hey, he can play special teams well enough, but we didn't see a contribution from him. We really really haven't seen a contribution from him. So with Hill, I hope that's not the path that he takes. But looking back at other core special teamers, Brendan Nyamandagio, he was the core guy for them. And even Corey Graham, who was signed over from, I believe it was the Bears at the time, who... 
he was able to play special teams and he played cornerback really well for a couple of yeah, years. I mean, he became right. A great exactly. Yeah. Then, yeah. So exactly. the guys who are coming over just for special teams are making contributions. And in this case, talking about justice Hill, I think he needs to take that next step forward. We talked about next steps with JK Dobbins and, and with Gus Edwards, but for justice Hill, this is just as important as an off season for him as it is for Gus Edwards and Dobbins, because he's going to be relied upon a lot more, I think in 2021. And he has to make the most of those opportunities. Yeah, I, I if I'm being a betting man, I'm I'm thinking they might rely on more or they might just draft another running back or they might find another running back off the heap. But what the Ravens have done very well is to have plug and play guys ready who meet their stylistic needs. So if they need a speed guy, they've got a speed guy. If they need a power guy, they've got a power guy. And that's one of the one of the questions about Tyson Williams is, is he a guy that fits a niche well enough that he could be? a replacement part and i'm sure he, he he probably will not make the roster but he might uh if they carry four running backs or even if they carry three and and they're sitting one every week yeah for, for tyson williams so he, he's six feet 220 pounds so he could certainly be a piece in, in this ravens offense but do you need another guy like that when you already have a Gus Edwards and JK Dobbins has shown flashes of potentially, you know, breaking through contact and hitting people. We had the two point conversion with Andrew Sandejo against Cleveland and when we 14 yeah. just trucked through him. So with Tyson Williams, I mean, he certainly produced it, it in college playing at three different schools. He scored nine touchdowns, average 5.2 yards per carry. But, but at the same time, I think with the Ravens, as I mentioned earlier, if it is going to be a four running back room in 2021, which I don't really see happening, you mentioned going and finding a running back, a veteran guy like a Mark Ingram off of the scrap heap, which they really could do because it's almost the conversation now that it is with the wide receiver room, which is, are they too young? And, you know, with all that, it's difficult because in this case, we've seen the production with J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Justice Hill is another piece in there. But with Tyson Williams, he's certainly a piece I could see another year on the practice squad for him potentially. But I don't necessarily think he fills a niche for this team right now. OK, so what I used to say to the head of marketing was I'm going to answer your bullshit rhetorical <laughs> question with, with an actual answer. So do you really need a guy like Tyson Williams? The reason they need guys like Williams and other guys who meet their stylistic need is in case of injury. And, and the Ravens have consistently had these injury problems coming at running back, and they always have the answer on the practice squad. That's how Gus Edwards mm -hmm. got his first chance. I mean, he was the sixth guy out of six on that roster, but he eventually got his chance in 2018 after all the other guys. Yeah, Delance <laughs> Turner. Wanted. And then, uh, yeah, there you go. And then uh, he was, and who was the other guy? Uh, Thompson, Mark Thompson? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, Mark, Mark Thompson, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so everybody had had a chance, and then Gus gets a chance. So that's where, that's where the Ravens have done such a good job of having their, their stylistic matches ready to go on the practice squad that I think we might see Tyson Williams. In. And you're probably right that, that he, if he replaces anybody, it would probably be Edwards. But once you get down a back and it's Dobbins and there's really no replacement, then, then Tyson Williams is is maybe a guy you go to too for that, right? And even bringing another position in this with cornerback, I mean that's what the Ravens do so well. They start the year with what seems like eighty million corners, and by the end of the year they're down to three. So I mean every sin, yeah, every single season. So and that's what really this team is about. They have the gems, and with the lack of you know full a full combine this year, and how much do teams really value this twenty twenty one draft and whatnot? But even with the expanded practice squad. 
squad, the Ravens had some guys on that team or on that practice squad, at least who came up and filled voids. I mean, Christian Welch, for example, if, you, if we're talking about special teams on the practice squad, Otara Laka goes down after playing really well. Welch comes and plays really well. So in terms of... And Welch held his active spot week exactly. after week after week when it seemed like there, there were much better use. Yeah, yeah. And, and for the Ravens, it was talking about Tyson Williams, he's someone who, if the Ravens do go down, if Gus Edwards gets injured or if J.K. Dobbins gets injured, he's someone who could fill a void for this team and just keeping him on the practice squad, keeping him tucked away. The Ravens won't have to protect a long snapper this year, it seems, every week. So I think sure. with Williams, he's someone who could get on the practice squad. Even if not making the roster, he could still make an impact. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure if the protection system goes right. on in a non-COVID year. I'm not, I, I honestly don't know. I, I I don't even know, honestly, if the bigger practice squad. I don't know either. That would be kind of cool if they did right. it. But uh, yeah, it's it's nice to have those have those ready. And a team like the Ravens really can benefit from a bigger practice squad. But they're also a team that everybody knows. And they, they you know, Will Holden goes back to the practice squad and immediately he's snapped up. And they just know about the Ravens depth and find the, find the players there. Okay, a great conversation here. Uh, Kevin, appreciate having you on. Talk about the running backs. Tell us a little bit more about where people can find your stuff. Is it your Twitter handle? Let's start yeah, with Yeah, sure, that. absolutely. My, my Twitter handle is at kawstriker34, and my work on Locked on Ravens, there's an own Twitter account for that. It's at Locked on Ravens. All right, fair enough. Anything you're, you've written about right now that you want to plug or anything you're, you're, you're talking about your current show? Um, for, for right now, we're in that kind of lull period of the offseason, you know, not quite free agency, not quite the draft. So just wrapping up the Ravens 2020 season right now on Locked on Ravens, talking about some mock drafts as well, because those are always fun, even if they're not going to be right. So with all that, we do, we do a bunch of stuff five days a week on Locked on Ravens, about 30 to 45 minutes of Ravens content per day. All right, great. Uh, if you want to be on a film study short, make sure you you send me something either on Twitter uh, or uh, at email. It's filmstudy21 at verizon.net. Send me just three bullet points on what you want to talk about. Focus topic, we'll get you on really quickly. Really appreciate having anybody who wants to, is passionate about a topic and a specific topic is usually the best uh, to be on. We're in the middle of doing positional reviews. We have 10 straight nights of this in terms of uh, recording and really looking forward to that, to talking to people like Kevin and others. Uh, for the next few days about uh, the various Ravens positions. Kevin, really appreciate having you on. Ken, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much. Uh, uh, missed you there for a second, but I hear you back. Anyway, uh, th thanks for being on, and we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Winning comes in all shapes and sizes. Every day there's an opportunity for a win, just like scratchers from the Virginia Lottery. Every day grab-and-go, every day giftable, every day fun. It's where anticipation meets instant gratification, and they're satisfying to scratch no matter the outcome. Like the new Virginia Lottery Scratcher Colossal Cash. It's loaded with $100 to $500 prizes. Now, that's an everyday win. Drive to the nearest Virginia Lottery retail location and pick up a scratcher today. Odds of winning any prize, 1 in 3.21. Introducing the Lowe's List for Innovation. While our aisles are filled with innovative products, we've selected our favorites just for you. Like the exclusive Whirlpool washer with industry-first two-in-one removable agitator. We love this washer because you can customize any load. And with other smart features to streamline your laundry routine, this product is a must-have for families. Shop the full Lowe's list of top picks at Lowe's.com. Lowe's, home to any budget, home to any possibility. U.S. only.